0: All right. back to another episode of the most delicious life podcast thank you so much for joining me and thank you as always for just supporting me on this podcasting journey and for those guy, people guys gals whoever who have been listening to the podcast since episode one if you've been binging the podcast lately i just Thank you so much. I appreciate every single lesson. I appreciate every reshare. I appreciate every message you send me, the questions you guys send in. It honestly it just makes this community so freaking special. And today I'm super super excited about this episode because this was a listener question that I got given a couple of weeks ago and I didn't want to include it into my big Q&A episode for a couple reasons. Number one, that episode was getting really long and I was getting really tired of talking. And number two, I actually wanted to do a little bit of research into this topic and just be able to collect my thoughts a little bit more around this topic. So I've been sitting on it for about two weeks. Um, I've got my word document up, I've got some notes. And I also think like, it was a big question for me as well. Um, You know, and I'm quite familiar with my food story. I'm quite familiar with the relationship I have to food and to nutrition. But I think this question asks you to open up a lot more memories um, that, you know, maybe I haven't thought about for like a year or so. So what we are going to be talking about today is food stories. Now, you might not fully understand this concept, right? Like, what the hell is a food story that doesn't make any sense? So the way that I visualize it is we have stories around everything we have you know a money story for example we have a love story for example so essentially what you know your story is because we all have them we all have multiple it's the way you think and feel about a particular thing so for a money story for example it would be the the environment that you grew up and how money was spoken about around you, how it was um, demonstrated to be used or not to be used, what was good, what was bad about money. You know, if you heard your parents saying things like, we can't afford that because X, Y, Z, or you heard your parents arguing over bills, or, you know, it was just a blanket rule, like don't ask for McDonald's because we can't afford that. We don't go out for dinner. Other kids at my school go on holidays and I don't. Or it could be you were the kid that was going on holidays, you know, and maybe you did did go out for lots of dinner so you can see the way that that is obviously going to impact the way you look at money and we have this the, the exact same thing happens with food so it's the way you think and the way you feel about food right so if you are depriving yourself or if you're indulging um the specific things that you crave for instance and i really like the the notion of a food story um because I think a lot of the time when I ask people, you know, like, what's your relationship to food? It sometimes is like, oh my God, don't even ask. Or it's just responded with like bad, you know? And it's always looked at with a really, with a negative lens, right? Whereas I think asking yourself about your food story opens up the conversation, um, It it. it further yeah past what is just your relationship to food right so it looks at how we relate to food and it goes beyond you and it goes beyond the food because a lot of the time when we think about food relationship we're thinking about you like ourselves and we're thinking about food and we're thinking about how do I feel towards food on a daily you know day in day out whereas food story opens up to well what happened 10 years ago? What could happen in the future? We start to look at it more as like a novel or a narrative instead of just what's happening right here in this moment. And obviously what's happening right now in this moment is important, but what happened when you were five years old, 10 years old, what happened when you were 20 20 years old, they are all important moments as well. And I think the older we get, we generally feel like the more control we have over our food story but I also believe that we only have control if we're conscious about it because I can think of so many people who are twice my age who are so much more so much less confident sorry around food they don't understand their food story they just shrug it off when they want it when when they're asked about their past and about their history and if that has been you this is your almost wake up call to stop shrugging off thinking about your past, right? Because I know that's a painful experience for a lot of people. I know that's not going to be comfortable for a lot of people. Maybe there wasn't great um, food understanding in your household, but it's not about placing the blame game on yourself or, or, or on anybody else. And I do think that when we talk about food relationships, people tend to put a lot of blame on themselves. Well, I eat this. Well, I do this. Well, I binge eat here. Well, I emotionally eat here. And when you begin thinking about a food story, you begin to realize that you're not the only character. You've actually got a lot of characters around you, you've got a lot of influence around you. Um, so it's not. It's not just you that has brought this narrative together, right? Like your food story is about the messages that you've received, the attitudes around food growing up, how people around you interacted with their own food and with you eating food. And then obviously how all that came together to influence you and to have an impact on you. So with deconstructing this blame game, it actually gives you more confidence to be able to Speak and initiate conversations about your own food story because you realize, like I said, that there were more people involved in how you developed that food story. And now it's not about having a blame game of, well, my parents did this and they always made me, you know, they always made me finish everything on my plate and we always got fish and chips and I was always told to eat more or, you know, maybe, well, I was only allowed to have one biscuit a week and that's why I feel X, Y, Z way. You know, it's not about placing blame on people, but it's about having the realization and the reflection of, okay, kind of makes sense why I feel this way towards food. It kind of makes sense as to why I have this aversion or why I, you know, maybe do use food as a comfort, right? So, you know there are there are positives and negatives to your food story because I know so many people as well who have a really comfortable relationship with food who have never felt like they have needed to restrict or diet. It's always just about eating balanced and be eating in a you know well rounded way, right? And no matter what your food relationship looks like and um, what it is that you need to heal, it's important to remember that there are still positives. In your story. A really easy example is when you're sick and a lot of people when they're sick they turn to their comfort foods but then have you ever thought about where your comfort food comes from because a lot of the time our comfort food is something from our childhood it's something that our parents made for us it makes you feel comforted, comfortable, safe looked after, like you're being taken care of, like you're going to be getting better and you're not going to be sick anymore. Because a lot of people be like, oh my God, I just struggle to eat healthy when I'm sick. Oh, when I'm sick, all I want is toasted sandwiches or all I want is cups of noodles or all I want is, you know, I don't know, a uh, freaking KFC or I just want this one random drink of soft drink from the supermarket that my mum used to get me. Like, understanding where those cravings are coming from is going to allow you to have less resistance towards them, but also more understanding as to why they exist instead of just being frustrated that I can't eat healthy when I'm sick. Because like I've said, your food story is a big mixing bowl of many, many things. How you were raised, the messages you received from influential people, and then absorbed as well from those people but also from the media so for example for myself I remember every single night we would watch the nightly news the news would be on and that was something that we would almost watch as a family but it would probably be more so because like mum was cooking dinner dad wanted to watch the weather like we were we were in that vicinity of watching the news and you know I remember witnessing a lot of really uh big events throughout my my childhood and I remember watching them on tv you know very dramatic awful things happening in the world um you know that's probably made me a certain way um in itself but I also remember these segments that would be on the nightly news and it still fucking is and I hate the news for it I do not watch the news now occasionally like when I go home or maybe occasionally at my um partners, parents, house, they'll have the news on and one of those like segments will come on and it'll be doctors doing research on why eggs are bad or it'll be new fat loss medication. And I feel like even that from such a young age has impacted me in a certain way. And I think with your food story, it's not about going, oh, I watched the nightly news and it's impacted me in this way and having a definitive answer, but recognizing that you were getting information You were hearing, you know, pieces of information from influential people. Maybe, you know, my parents were talking about it around me, how it was stupid or how it was interesting or or something like that. And it gets absorbed. It doesn't mean that it gets absorbed and it makes you feel this way. It doesn't have to make you feel a definitive way. And that's what I want you to be mindful about with understanding your food story. It's not about going from X to Y. It's, it's not a linear line, but it's understanding that, yeah, watching the nightly, light, nightly news every single day from like being a child to a, a teenager. Like I think I left home when I was like 20, 21. So watching the or seeing the nightly news for, you know, my entire life and seeing those segments, even if I had the cognitive ability by the time I was like 12 to go, that's so dumb. I was still being influenced from a younger age. I was still being influenced that dieting is something that you need to do. I was still being influenced that, you know, there's good and bad foods. Even if I didn't 100% believe it, when you're told something enough, it begins to take an effect on you. So you can use the example of if, you know, somebody asks you what color the sky is and you say blue and they go, no, it's purple. And you're looking at them, you're going, well, you're fucking weird. The sky is clearly purple. Um, Sorry, the sky is clearly blue. And then they keep asking you every single day. And then other people around you begin telling you that the sky is purple. How long do you think it's going to take before you begin to question if the sky actually is purple? Maybe you're the one who's wrong. Maybe you're the one who's not thinking straight. And, you know, it's not going to take a week. It's probably not going to take a month. It's probably going to take quite a long time for such a dramatic example but you can understand what I'm saying is that if you hear something enough you begin to believe it if you hear something enough you begin to question your own thoughts like you can see that the sky is blue but if every person around you for months is telling you that it's purple of course of course you're going to begin to to think that maybe you're the one you're the one that's got the problem So reflecting on both positive and painful memories around food is going to be all a part of your story. So you might be reflecting on, you know, birthdays when there was cake or maybe you won your sporting grand final or, I don't know, using food as celebration or having food taken away from you or painful memories when you were forced to eat everything on your plate. Like, you know, we're we're looking at both ends of the spectrum. And just because something was negative or painful doesn't mean that it's now had a negative or painful influence on you. And the same with because something was positive at the time, just because something was positive doesn't mean that it's necessarily had a positive influence on you now. So in that instance, I think about, you know, celebrating with food, having such um, big kind of banquet style meals when there's something worth celebrating i'm like that's a, an amazing experience in the moment it is when you're growing up and it is now but what is your relationship to celebrating with food every time something good happens do you feel like you need to buy yourself a little treat you know so you can see how it kind of piles up and it's in inserted itself in your life in so many different ways And again, it's not about making this, oh, I'm doing this right, I'm doing this wrong. It's literally just about having understanding so that those things that are causing pain in your life, which might be the binge eating, the emotional eating, the constant feeling of the need to diet, the restriction, it's so that you can understand those deeper so you can break out of those habits. Because once you break out of those types of habits around food, you can achieve fucking anything, fucking anything. And I, I believe this so like so, so deeply in my heart is that if you are wanting to break free of emotional eating or binge eating or some type of restriction, but you're also wanting to change your body, I really deeply believe that you can achieve both of those things. But I also deeply believe that those two goals are very separate and are coming from opposite ends of the spectrum. And it's not about needing to gain lots of weight and eat whatever the hell you want. Like, of course, you can really lean into eating whatever you want. And that can be amazing. I personally did that. And that was a wonderful way for me to navigate my journey. I stopped, and this is a really, really big part of my food story as well, is that I stopped dieting completely. I stopped tracking food completely. I stopped weighing any food completely. And I allowed myself to say yes to whatever the fuck it was that I desired. And you know what? I ended up gaining four or five kilos. I did. Was I 100% comfortable in my body? No. But was it also my goal during this time of non-dieting to get really fucking comfortable in my body? Yes. So did I get more comfortable in my body holding five extra kilos than I would have if I was constantly yo-yo dieting and always thinking about when's my next diet? When am I going to lose this weight? 110%. Just because I did it doesn't mean that everybody else has to do it. But fuck, I've got a lot of evidence and a lot of proof to say that that is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful way to break free of your restrictive mindsets, to break free of your emotional eating, to break free of the constant incessant need or feeling that you have to be dieting, that you have to be smaller to be good enough. Because understanding and finding peace with your food story isn't about eating more salad or drinking more water or doing the quote-unquote healthiest thing but it's about unlocking your inner narrative about what you eat and why you eat what you do and I spent a lot of time understanding my food story. Did it make me the healthiest person in the world? Absolutely not. I ate so much takeaway pizza. I, ate, I drank so many thick shakes. I ate bags of chips. But I needed to allow myself to actually just exist and to experiment with these cravings and to almost reach a point where I kind of got over my own bullshit. And I decided on my own behalf that I was going to take better care of my body. And that still happened before I decided to go into an intentional little cut again. So when I finished bodybuilding, I wanted to stay really small and I managed to do that for quite a few months. Um, And then I began, I came back home from Christmas and I just kind of began eating. And I honestly really lost that control that I was holding onto I was gripping onto for dear life from the bodybuilding and I lost that control and I ended up you know really like leaning into that freedom and this is coupled with the mindset of oh my god but now I need to diet again and then two nights later I'd be eating takeaway pizza and then oh my god I need to diet again and then a couple nights later I'd be eating tub of ice cream like it was that awful awful cycle that so many women go through just just constantly like up and down and never feeling good enough and always feeling like everything that you're doing is wrong and then I got to the place where I was like I'm so tired of hating myself I'm so tired of feeling like I'm always doing something wrong and the intention wasn't then to just like go fuck it I'm gonna eat everything but the intention was to I just like it it, it was this desire to just allow myself to exist eat food that yes made me feel good and that was the that was the ultimate goal but i also had i also needed to experience this period of time where maybe i was still having a binge maybe i was still eating a whole tub of ice cream maybe i was still getting takeaway pizza every weekend like i needed to go through this phase where those things got to happen so that i could fully heal myself so that i could actually understand what it is that I wanted. And I'm going to be talking about this in my next podcast episode about understanding what you actually want because it is happening far too often that we set goals because we think we should be doing them, i.e., oh my God, it's spring, so I should be getting into the gym five times a week. I should be going for an afternoon walk every day. I should be dieting. I should be eating more salad. I should be drinking more smoothies. I'm sorry, but are they things you actually want? want to be doing or do you want to spend time with your friends or do you want to spend time laying down at the beach enjoying the sun or do you want to go for a walk to get your coffee or do you want to hit the gym twice a week with your bestie like what do you actually want to do anyway I'm going to talk about that in my next podcast episode so keep an eye out for that um but it's it was really interesting thinking about this episode and I hope that you guys are understanding more what your food story is but I was obviously reflecting on my own food story and that was a part of the question as well so she wanted um the question like she wanted insight into food stories which I hope that I've I've given you um and she wanted uh she asked if I could unpack my own um relationship with food or food story and I feel like it would be quite hard for me to kind of give you guys this neat little package of what my food story is. And I know, I feel like it's one of those things that I've kind of breadcrumbed throughout this podcast, throughout my Instagram, um, and, and all that. But, you know, my parents never forced us to finish everything on our plate. They never forced us to eat things we didn't like. Um, obviously, you know, like with a bit of take a grain of salt there, I definitely remember gagging over my green peas um, at, the, at the dinner table but like I also got things like ice cream for dessert or we got you know I remember having rules around like you can have two biscuits out of the biscuit tub and and things like that um, so it's, it's really interesting in in that kind of in that kind of way because when I was a teenager I used to sneak into the kitchen after everybody had gone to sleep and eat ice cream and eat peanut butter and eat honey and I I wouldn't be able to control myself to stop it wouldn't be like okay i'm just gonna have a little bit it would be like oh my god i have to force myself to stop eating and i wouldn't go to bed feeling good you know i would go to bed being like why did i just do that and then the next night i would do that again so i don't feel like i currently have the answers and like i said it's not about finding a direct line from what happened in your childhood to your teenage years to now and going yep 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 they they all match up but i i don't have the direct answers of uh, I guess like a pattern from my childhood to my teenage years I just have these very distinct memories right now like things like getting out of bed and and eating eating the ice cream and I think that was a time after my eating disorder um it's hard to remember the timeline exactly but I think that was a, uh, that was after my eating disorder so I obviously was uh, not in a very good place with food and I remember in high school it wasn't necessarily like I kind of had two groups of friends and one group of friends it kind of it was like every, everyone was quite small it kind of was about being skinny but then I remember like the more I guess you could say popular girls at school they all played sport so that kind of uh food relationship and body type was about being sporty which back then was definitely like being skinny but like being able to play sport and I remember all the girls like would bring their salads or would bring their homemade pastas and bring these really really beautiful 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 meals and then my other group of friends it was more just like I've got a muesli bar like it was very interesting the two the two different um groups but another memory that came up for me when I was writing for this episode was, um, the way that my high school boyfriends interacted with me around food, especially, uh, the times when I had my eating disorder or when I was like slowly recovering from my eating disorder. And I remember my high school boyfriends would always want to give me sweets and treats. It wasn't about trying to get me to eat a dinner or a lunch, but it was about trying to get me to eat the chocolate or the biscuit. Or I remember one one boyfriend made me up this like cup with milk and cereal in it and he covered it like absolutely drenched it in in milo and that was like the thing he always really wanted me to eat um I don't quite understand it, but you know, but, I, but I think like from those experiences, I was learning that to be better, to be, you know, quote unquote healthier, healthier than from my eating disorder and to have a better relationship with food, I needed to be able to eat those types of food I needed to be able to eat sweets I needed to be able to eat you know your treats and your foods that you would look at and go I'm not going to eat that every single day because it's like you know got a lot of sugar it's not going to be amazing for my internal body it's not going to make me feel good but it's so interesting the way that these boys they thought they were helping me and um yeah again I I don't know what that meant for me you know, later in my teenage years, in my early twenties, but it's just such a memory that stands out to me. It, I would definitely say it's a part of my food story. I think as well, many of us reflecting on our food stories, you might find yourself also reflecting on your body image and your relationship to your body. And I don't want you to make that wrong for having those crossovers because you might feel like, whoa, oh, I'm not really thinking about food here. I'm more talking about how I felt in my body. I think for many of us growing up, those two things are far too intertwined to try and tear apart so when you are reflecting on your food stories you know maybe start with how you felt at the dinner table when you were a child what the conversations around food at the dinner table looked like you know were you the kind of kid that didn't have to eat everything on their plate or were you the kind of kid that did have to eat everything on their plate like start start there start with the simple stuff and then I would also definitely just encourage you to write down those random memories that come into your mind. They're coming into your mind for a reason. You know, if you're like, oh, we usually got takeaway on a Friday night, write it down because that could also maybe help you now understand as to why when the weekend comes around, you feel like you need to have something quote unquote special or something different or you have to go out for dinner or get takeaway. You know, all these things can link. And even if they don't link, they're still a part of your history. They're still a part of your story. They still may be important to you in a year's time when you're reflecting on your food story once again, because our food stories are obviously forever changing, forever developing. You're going to have new ways of thinking and processing and reflecting. So it's not about just looking into it once and going, cool, done, close that book. It's about always having that book slightly open slightly open a crack so that you can continue to come back and revisit it and continue to strengthen that food relationship, right? Like another thing that I remember is, you know, I spoke about eating ice cream earlier in this episode. That was such a difficult point for me where for majority of my life up until like maybe nine months ago, a year ago, six months ago, you know, in the past like year, I just literally had, No control when it came to ice cream. No control. It was something in my life that had fucking its claws dragged into me. And it's okay to admit that there are food items that just have a hold over you. And there might still be food items that still have a hold over you that you don't have control over yet. And that's okay. That doesn't make it wrong. Doesn't make it bad. It just means that there's still healing to happen there. There's still more understanding. There's still more to unpack and you know there's no problem in reaching out and asking for help so many of the clients like that I work with talk about oh I'm so glad that I asked for help I'm so glad that I reached out I battled for so long about you know I should be able to do this by myself I can do this by myself well if someone can do this by themselves I'd fucking love to know their secret because I couldn't do it by myself my coach couldn't do it by herself my clients couldn't do by themselves why is it such a flex to be able to do things by yourself. Do we not live in communities for a reason? Are we not social like beings for a reason? Do we not value connection and validation and intimacy and relationships? So why do we continue to fight to be able to do things by our fucking selves? I don't think it's actually that valuable to you, to your journey, to your understanding. And what other people have that you don't have is different perspectives. Because you can only have the perspectives that relate to your own journey, that relate to your own life experiences. And if it wasn't for things like social media or talking to your friends or podcasts or the, even the news, you know, you wouldn't have other perspectives. You, would, if you lived in a recluse. If you lived as a recluse, you would literally only have your perspectives to be able to get you through the day. But by talking, by consuming, by interacting with other people, you gain new perspectives that can actually help you continue to move through your food story, through your food relationship, overcome those barriers and those blockages that are holding you back from achieving things like, you know, having a really fucking amazing and healthy and balanced exercise routine, like desiring to cook vegetables and eat fruits in, on your day to day, you know, like being able to say no to a dessert when you're actually not hungry anymore, and when you actually don't want it, instead of feeling like you need to say it because, well, what if I miss out? Missing out is going to be more painful than the than the pain in my stomach after eating this thing. You know, there's all these different pillars that you're you're allowing to stay small when, if you actually asked for support if you asked for a different perspective if you collaborated with somebody those pillars would absolutely skyrocket they're going to grow like a tree yet you're so hell-bent on watering your own seeds that you can't actually carry enough water to get to all the seeds that you've currently got planted We're heading into a freaking forest uh, analogy. But imagine like you've got this forest with all these little seeds and all those seeds are your pillars of your health. It's your relationship to food. It's, you know, but it's not even the relationship to food because that is one massive, massive, massive pillar. That's like a fucking uh, big old gum oak tree, whatever. Gum tree, oak tree, I don't care. But, you know, you've got the ability to say no. You've got being vulnerable in relationships. You've got balanced exercise you've got really like you've got good cardiovascular health you like you've got all these different pillars which are seeds and you're trying to water like a hundred different seeds right now you can't do that there's not enough time in your day to water all those seeds and to give all that thought and all that energy you're gonna end up watering 10 seeds more than the other because they're going to become your favorites because they're going to grow quickest and then those other seeds are just going to get left left by the way and for a while those seeds that you've been watering the most are going to grow into bigger trees and they're going to block out the view of all those like you know struggling seeds behind it it's going to make you feel good because you're going to go wow look at my forest it's getting so big it's growing and then one day you're going to walk through those trees now because you've been watering, you're going to walk through the trees and you're going to go out to the back of the paddock and you're going to see all those seeds that you neglected. And you're going to feel the weight of the world hit your shoulders because you go, fuck, I've got so much work still to do. Look at my paddock. It's meant to be a forest and it's just currently patches of dirt with struggling seeds. Whereas if you had asked for help, if you would ask for the community, if you would ask for somebody to hold your hand and help you water those seeds, how many more trees do you think you'd have? How much bigger do you think your forest would be? How much more abundant and comfortable and happy and joyous do you think you'd be able to be if you would just asked for help instead of trying to always figure everything out by yourself? That is not the point of the human experience. I have gone on a complete tangent and I hope that everyone really enjoyed listening to my (laughs) talk about trees, but... I think at the moment, that's everything I have to say on food stories. And I would love to hear your guys' food stories in my DMs or more questions if you have them. If I wasn't, yeah, if you want clarity on something or if you, yeah, anything, 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 just come into my DMs. Let me know what you've thought of this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, if you want more episodes like this, please let me know. But thank you, as always, for listening to this podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, please do not forget to rate and subscribe so you never miss a Wednesday episode. Also, share this episode with any of your friends, with your social media. Make sure you tag me in it too so I can send you all the love. My Instagram is hannahrose.fit. And I will see you in the next episode of the Most Delicious Life podcast. Bye. Yeah.